Welcome to the Rankin Baptist Church Podcast. Please note that all or some of this podcast may have been recorded during our live physical services at Rankin Baptist Church. Therefore, sound quality may be affected in some areas. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Now folks, it's been a, a different year and we trust it's going to continue to be a different and a better year than last year. So I want to look at the issue of rebuilding. You know, when we look at what happened in the last century in Europe, next slide, please. The world went through World War II. Many countries were involved in World War II. And of course, one of the campaigns was just to bomb, bomb and bomb. There were literally millions, literally millions of bombs released from the air. And of course, that is what Europe looked like. Many cities in Europe. That war lasted six years from September 1939 to September 1945. Germany, the instigator to a large extent, lost, and these are the civilian statistics, civilians and those who are soldiers, these statistics are the following countries. Germany lost 8.8 million people. The United Kingdom, Britain, 450,000. The United States, 418. South Africa, only 12,000. Because we know how to dodge bullets. Obviously, hello. No, it's because we were so far away. All right? The war didn't really reach us. The Soviet Union lost 24 million people. That's a lot of people. And yet, within about six years, large parts of Europe were rebuilt. Because people had a we can do this, we can recover attitude. And here you even see ladies finding the bricks that have been blasted apart, those which could be salvaged, chipping off the old concrete because they said, we're going to use the rubble to rebuild. You know, God can use anything to rebuild. Anything that you give Him, God can use to rebuild, even if it's rubble. So, when we look at Deuteronomy, we see an incident in the Bible where God said to the people, You know, you've suffered some major setback, but I want to tell you, now is the time to rebuild. It's time to advance and do the thing that you were called to do all of your life. There's a message in that for us. Let's look at it in Deuteronomy chapter 1, reading verses 1 to 8. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the desert east of the Jordan, that is, in the Arabah, opposite Suf, between Param, Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by the Mount Seir Road. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. This was after he had defeated Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon and at Edrei, had defeated Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth, east of the Jordan, in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountain, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast of the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abram, Isaac, and to Jacob, and to their descendants after them. So God said to the Israelites, you camped here long enough. 
You've had long enough of going nowhere, doing nothing, just sitting and waiting. It's time to break camp and it's time to advance into the country that I had given you. I've already defeated two kings. I've just shown you what I'm going to do. That was a foretaste of what's to come. But it's up to you to advance. So we need to understand what is happening here. Now in verse 2, it speaks about Kadesh Barnea. Well, you know, why would God take time to mention all the little dorpies that they had been to in their route in the desert? It was because Kadesh Barnea was a place of dishonor, a place of cowardice, and a place of rebellion. So if you look at Numbers chapter 13, 31, it was at Kadesh, which is the border of the promised land, like a day or two's journey into the promised land. It is there that they went into the promised land, returned, stopped, and then said, this, we, we're never going to be able to do this. What was God thinking? Sending us into the promised land to die. So we look in Numbers 13, 31. The men who had gone up with Joshua and Caleb said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. Now they came back from that land with a cluster of grapes so big, two grown men had to carry it. Now these are people that are living in the desert where there are no grapes. They went in, got the grapes, came back and said, it's a great land, but the people are way too tall and scary for us. They spread a bad report and everybody else's courage failed. There were a lot of bad reports in COVID. Half-truths. Some of the things exaggerated to get people to comply. And that's what people will do. To get you to comply, they will exaggerate certain things. It's a means of controlling you. And I'm not saying necessarily the government, but the other people that have certain views about vaccines and COVID, and they'll exaggerate what they hear in order to convince you to conform to their ideas, their way of thinking. Now, these spies had gone in, 12 of them, with this very simple assignment. Go and see what is there and come and tell us. God didn't tell them to go, but they said, hey, it would give us a lot more peace if we could go. So God said, if that's what you want to do, go and do that. But when they came back, 10 of them came back more fearful than they'd gone in. Two of them said, let's go. I can't wait to make that grapes my grape uh, vineyard. Today, that whole vineyard is going to be mine. And God said, I'm going to give all of this to you because of the idolatry and the wickedness of the people that you're going to displace. But instead, they spread a bad report. So in the time that they should have gone in and advanced, there were rumors spread among them. No, it's too early. It's still not safe. Let's, let's just hold on a little bit longer. As a result of this, many rebelled. In actual fact, in Numbers 14.10, the whole assembly talked about stoning Caleb and Joshua. I mean, these were the only two that had a good report to give. And what did they want to do? The only two people that were positive, they said, let's kill them. There's not enough negativity. We only want negativity. What's with all of this positivity? Kill the people who are positive. Crazy. 
But the Bible says it's not just that. God says they are dishonoring me. Numbers 14, 11. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, How long will these people continue to turn against me? They show that they don't trust me or believe in my power in spite of the miracles. You know, it's like when God does something for us, we have amnesia. In the moment of a crisis, people get amnesia about what God has done. Because all they can think about is what they're going through right now. Are you like that? When you have a crisis, you forget the goodness, the power of God. All you can remember is, this is, this is dangerous. I'm in trouble. I don't know if God's going to come through for me. And we tend to panic. And God says, when you and I have seen, we've tasted that the Lord is good. Then a crisis comes our path and we panic. We dishonor Him. It's like, I've already shown you what I can do. And yet you refuse to believe in me. So God withdrew his blessing from each and every one of those people. Now this is significant. Numbers 14, 33. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness, until the last of your bodies lie in the wilderness. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explore the land. You'll suffer for your sins and you'll know what it is like to have me against you. The ten instigators were also killed. So God said to that whole generation, because all of you refuse to believe me, you said we cannot go in, therefore you will, go in. you will not go in. You are prophesying your own doom. And when we say COVID's going to kill us, I'm never going to recover. We talk as though we are atheists. We live in a place where God doesn't exist, where God is not aware of things and he won't intervene. But we are happy to talk about COVID and the danger and how terrible it is. And did you hear what happened to so-and-so? But we don't talk about God. So God says, if you continue to sing the praises of your disaster and not mine, then you will suffer at the hands. Those things that you say will become self-fulfilling prophecies over your life. You condemn yourself. Miriam also died there. She also said to Moses and Aaron, you're not worthy, you're not the only ones. And so Kadesh was a place of dishonor. And God says, I'm going to launch you not far away from Kadesh. I'm going to launch you into the promised land. So what was significant for that generation? Unfortunately, every one of their parents died. Only the children went in. Not a single parent went in. Even Moses and Aaron and Miriam, the leaders, because of the things that they had done during that wilderness, they were not allowed to advance. So God's call was to that next, new, fresh, second generation. So we see over here in Deuteronomy 1, 3, in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the next generation. It was the 40th year. In other words, God said, your time is up. You will stay in the desert one year for every day that you are in the land. And they now reach those 40 years. So God said to that generation, remember, before you go in, Deuteronomy 1 verse 4. I've already defeated Sion, king of the Amorites, and Edrei, that Edrei had defeated Og, king of Bashan. Now these were already established kingdoms. With great fortifications, with strong armies, God said, you guys had left as slaves 
You had no military training, you had no weapons, you had no strategy. And yet, look what I did. I already defeated two mighty nations. So don't think that the nations that you are going to go up against are going to be any different. It's just like a, it's as a warm-up for what I'm going to do on your behalf. Then before we move on, I want to just look at quickly this mountain. So God said at Horeb 1 verse 6, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. Now, Horeb was part of a mountain range and Sinai was one of the big peaks at that mountain range. So Sinai and Horeb, more or less the same place. Now they had waited in that region because God needed to get a couple of things ready before they moved into the promised land. So they had a bit of rest. They received the law so that when they went into the promised land, they knew how to conduct themselves. Because remember, in the promised land, they weren't all going to be together. They were going to be spread out far and wide. They were going to take vast plains, vast countries. So God said, while you're still together, let me show you what life needs to be like there. They received the tabernacle, the temporary dwelling place of God. They counted the people. They put them into different segments. And they literally designed different banners and flags. And God said, when you march, that color, that banner goes first, then you, then you. So that when they marched into the promised land, there wouldn't just be this horde. They would actually march almost strategically. All that had happened, and now it was over. And then God said, advance. The problem with that rest and that wait is they become comfortable. And they become complacent. You know, the desert isn't so bad after all. There are no enemies here. We're quite safe. We, can, we could get used to this. And so people, the whole nation, just settled down. They were free. They were together. They were in one place. You know, the problem with sitting too long and doing, too nothing, doing nothing for too long is you become accustomed to doing nothing. Now they may have said, well, we're getting ready, we're getting ready, we're getting ready. And God for a long time said, you've got to get this ready, that, that, that. And then he said, now we're finished, we're ready, let's go. Some people think, well, I just need a little bit more time. I'm almost there. I'm almost ready to go into the promised land. I just need a little bit more time. The problem is when we think we need more time to pluck up courage, let's be, let's be aware that when you sit for too long, it can also be a place to develop fear. And you're not plucking up courage, you're just encouraging fear in your life. There's enough time for doubts to set in wheel. We may say to ourselves, well, we're just waiting on God. God's going to let me know when the right time is to get back to normal. But God hasn't said it to me yet. And the rest of the country is moving on. And we're still sitting in our prayer closets, waiting on the Lord. Listen, that prayer closet should have been a place of getting encouraged. You weren't speaking to God. You were rehearsing the news. And all you came away from the prayer closet with was with fear and doubt and discouragement. Courageous actions must be taken quickly in the face of fear, decisively. And then you must go for it. Otherwise, you will shrink back. 
what we think is caution, may simply be cowardice disguising itself as responsibility. I'm just being responsible. Are you being responsible or are you being cowardly? Is there a difference? If the whole of the rest of the country has moved on and you're still cautious, then I can kind of say, that's not cautious. Caution. That is cowardice. Listen to this scripture in Proverbs that challenges us. Proverbs 24 verse 10. If you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? We read it in a different version. If you are weak in a crisis, you are weak indeed. So what does a crisis reveal? A crisis reveals whether we really have faith or not. That's all it is. It's simply a test of strength. It doesn't mean that you're going to die, that you will succumb to the crisis. It's simply showing you what you're made of. In good times, it's easy to sing the praises of God. It's easy to talk about faith. But in COVID, I saw people who spoke those words crumble in a week or two or three or four. Singing the songs of the world. So it's courage that we need to get back. Complacency and indecision can be costlier than the fallout of facing certain crises courageously. You know, while we were waiting and while we were complacent, we didn't realize what was going on around us. We didn't even realize that if we don't do something about this situation, COVID's going to be the least of our worries. And that is exactly what is happening. COVID has come and gone. And right now, COVID, to a certain extent, is the least of our worries in South Africa. So one of the things that we saw with all of this bad news and fake news and negativity was indecision. People didn't know what to do. They kept looking for more information that will help them make a decision move forward. And all they found is more YouTube videos that spoke about the magnetism of the virus. And you saw people with cell phones sticking to their bodies as a result of the virus. And it all looked very spiritual. And we even had medical doctors. And we said, well, hey, hey, we need more information. I'm so glad I watched that video. I feel empowered. You weren't empowered. You were disempowered. There is a difference. And so we came away from those videos with more damage than good being done. Perhaps one of the most devastating effects that we've seen is in the area of education. So we have people in, well people, little people, in grade 3, who haven't really gone through grade R, grade 1 or grade 2. Sorry, they're in grade two, 2. They haven't really gone through grade R and 1. Where are you supposed to learn about colors and your teacher and lunch? And numbers and a little bit of the alphabet and they're already great too they don't know that stuff but we can't keep them back because there's a whole nother bunch of people that need to go through I was looking at the video of somebody in the high school and she was complaining to the leaders she said you know you guys locked us down and it wasn't really necessary because she was in England she said when we went to the class we went in with masks we just took them off it was a whole just show because we couldn't even hear each other. We couldn't hear the teacher. So we took them off. 
But you made us wear that. But when the people went to watch soccer, you allowed them to take their masks off. You denied us two years of our education, but you wouldn't deny the soccer fans there. What did you do to us? It's because of indecision. These are the type of things, because of a lack of courage and poor decisions in a time of crisis, that we find that there are fallouts after the crisis, that it was fear and doubt that brought across our paths. In the hospitality, we saw international travel bans, opening, closing of restaurants. From a business point of view, several large companies closed down, the Edcon Group, Edgus, they closed down all but only their most uh, profitable stores, CNA, Time Freight, Comair. A lot of those businesses closed down permanently. As a result, we're sitting with mass unemployment. The country in 2019 was facing a recession. And then we took out money in 2020 and we took out money in 2021. Now, our debt repayment is 64% of our gross domestic product. If we were in a recession then, things are not necessarily going to get better. The problem when you're not decisive and courageous in crisis is that you jeopardize many other things. We were regarding our health but we didn't guard our economy and things like that. And we're paying a price. Now it was very difficult to take a good decision and, and, and know what to do during COVID. But there were reports coming in that this disease is not as terrible as people are making it out to be. But nobody wanted to listen to those people because those people were being irresponsible. The statistics have stayed the same. 20 million people around the world have died as a result of COVID. If we look in South Africa, statistics are, I think, 94,000 people have died to date. 94,000 people have died due to COVID over two years, 47,000 a year. 47,000 a year died as a result of COVID. Every year, 78,000 South Africans die as a, result, as a result of cardiovascular diseases. 60% more people die every year, year on year, through heart attacks and strokes than died of COVID. But we didn't have any talk about our obesity and our smoking and our stress levels. Do you see the perspective? We had a friend who died um, late December was a smoker didn't die of COVID predictably he died of heart attacks but nobody's talking about that because the only thing South Africans are dying of is COVID you see if we think badly in a time of crisis how we can miss how we can miss the ball now the lockdowns were necessary and measures needed to be put in place but when we look in terms of perspective and we have perspective we exaggerated what was needed to be done and we're struggling with South, as South Africans of the fallout and right now there were people said we shouldn't come to church it's too early pastor to open the churches there were churches at the end of last year that were still thinking and praying about whether they should open completely have youth have Sunday school in the house of God, 
Some people were slower to respond to the opening up of South Africa than the people of the world. So Moses had to say to those people, you stayed long enough in this desert. You've been here now almost a full year. They were settled over there, that second generation, for 10 days short of a full year. 355 days they were sat in one place. And God said, you need to move. Don't you be the next generation that I leave here in the desert and I take the third generation in. Because the only generation that I'm taking in are the people that have faith. But if you want to die in your poverty, if you want to die in your doubt, then die. But the people who are advancing with me are people who need to have courage and faith, who need to believe in their God. So now listen to what God says in Deuteronomy 1 verse 7. I want you to break camp and I want you to go in through the foothills into the Negev into the Negev. Strange, all these names that God is talking about. What is the significance? You see in Numbers 13, 29, when the spies came back, they said, we cannot go into that place because the Amalekites live in the Negev. And God said to the Israelites, that second generation, now when you go, you're going to go through the Negev. Your parents came back to me and said, there's scary people living in the Negev. Now you as the next generation, you're going through the Negev. Start in the Negev. Wow. God was saying, I'm going to shake you up. I'm going to wake you up. I'm going to break that fear off you. That doubt. That indecision. That lack of faith. I'm going to cause you to face your enemies head on. You know, sometimes to overcome your fear, you have to face your fear. Sometimes to overcome your fear, you have to face your fear. You need to hang around people You need to go to places that scare you You need to do things that stretch you But if all you want to do is play it safe You're going to live a very small life Safety has never been a place of achievement Okay? Courage doesn't dwell in a place of safety. You cannot waken and grow courage in a place of safety. You need to be courageous. You need to stretch yourself. You need to do scary things. If you're among the minority who's willing to advance against the enemy, then be among the minority. So God said, I've given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land. And God was causing the Israelites to do the thing that they were dreading the most. And that was go to war. The whole previous generation died because they wouldn't go to war. But he said to this generation, the land is already yours. As far as I'm concerned, the deed is done. You have the thing that you need. But you're still going to need to go to war. You see, we are in two weeks of prayer and fasting. Welcome. There may be some people are hearing that for the first time. We're in another week of prayer and fasting next week. We're meeting Monday, 6.30 to 8 o'clock. I don't know why there's any reason that we cannot attend even one prayer meeting. And that is the place to build your courage to meet with God. That's the place to get ready for the new year. But sitting at home, going on with life as usual, is not the place to build courage. 
You've got to be among the people of God who are getting ready for the new year. Amen? So God says, I'm going to take you. I'm going to give you the promised land. That's the good news. Here's the bad news. You're going to have to go to war to get that. You're going to have to do some things. You're going to have to put your life on the line, as it were. You're going to have to put your faith on the line to get that which you want. You're going to have to make sacrifices. You're going to have to give up certain things to get what you want. Otherwise, you're just going to stay the same. 2022 is going to be version 3 of the last two years. You're just going to go to a third year. So it's time to change. We need to recognize that in our lives, some negative patterns have developed over the last two years. That COVID and lockdowns had a role in, but we've allowed certain things to become permanent. People even talk about this is the new normal. I say, that is abnormal. So if you're saying abnormal is new normal, that makes you abnormal. Let's lock you up. All right? Certainly things have changed. Society has changed. The way we've done things have changed. But my new normal is the old normal. I'm not going to change my mindset. I'm not going to every time somebody coughs and sniffs and sneezes around me, go and sanitize myself and isolate myself without warrant. Do you understand? I want to get back to normal. I want to hang around normal people, do normal stuff. I want to hug. I want somebody courageous enough to shake my hand. I don't want Edward aeronautical high fives from a distance. Perform. You understand? Smack it so hard that if there were any bugs, you would. They're not going to survive that one. Now, COVID and the lockdowns was a terrible time for many people. You did lose loved ones. A large part of our life was put on hold. Now, I'm not going to be insensitive, but people are dying all the time. Every year, there are people dying. Marissa's uncle, two weeks ago, almost died. He was a smoker before. Fortunately, he stopped, but they caught him just in time. More than half of the people that we laid to rest over the last two years just died normally, as people do. But there's something about saying that those two years were the worst years of my life. If only I could get those years back. If only you can't. They're gone. The problem with looking back is you don't appreciate the opportunities right in front of you. You don't live life. South Africa, we still have children to educate. Are we going to cry about the education that was lost and leave this current generation to not be educated? Are we going to try and live in the past, the memory of those who passed on, but not show appreciation, love to the people who are still around us? More affection, we want to reserve for those who have gone on, and we don't give affection to those who are alive. Appreciate the people that you do have right now. Did you have plans for your life? Then go and resume those plans. You wanted to go and study, get a career, make a plan, go out and do it. 
God is for you. He says, I've already determined that you will have these things. You're just going to have to fight a little war to get there. Now, we're not going to be rebuilding in a time of comfort because there are major, major challenges facing our country. We have massive debt. We have infrastructure problems. ESCOM and service delivery of electricity is going to be a challenge for us. There's the probability of deepening unemployment. So a couple of things may stay bad and get a little bit worse before they get better. But those things are going to have nothing to do with COVID. Regarding COVID and the disease, we need to move on. Then we need to take the challenges that we're facing as South Africans and we need to rebuild our country. We need to rebuild our lives. We need to show our children that we can move forward. It is said that Europe looked very different six years after the war. Because that generation that have lost loved ones, that have lost, had lost six years of their lives, had become nomads as their cities were being bombed. They rebuilt their Europe largely in six years. If we're courageous enough, we have, we have faith enough, focus enough, Diligence. If we do it and we don't say it's the government's responsibility, but it's every South African's responsibility, we can rebuild what was lost in two years over the next two years. But it really depends on us. So God is saying to us today, and that has really been the theme of our last week of prayer, it's time to rebuild, to break camp. You've settled here long enough. Let's move on with our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, remember to share it with people you feel may be encouraged by it as well. Also remember, for more resources, to watch our video sermons, or to find out more about Ramsey Baptist Church, visit us online at www.rbaptchurch.org.